Jean Mixer has been guiding Boston Children's Hospital into the digital future for the past seven years, so she was more than prepared when the COVID-19 pandemic arrived and suddenly everyone was forced to go remote. I first met Jean at Boston Consulting Group in the 1990s when she led growth strategy projects in healthcare, financial services, and consumer goods. We stayed in touch and reunited about five years ago when Health Business Group helped Jean put the children's digital strategy in place. In this episode of the Health Biz Podcast, Jean traces her journey from J.P. Morgan to BCG to her own consulting practice and then to Boston Children's. She shares her experience as a director of public companies in biotech, medical devices, and banking, and she explains what she'd do if she had a time machine. I'm your host, David Williams. Thanks for tuning in, and remember to subscribe to Health Biz. Jean, it is uh, terrific to see you today. How's it going? David, it's great to see you as well. It's going very well. Excellent. So uh, let's back up and talk about your your background, early life, career, and all that. What do you? What, what's your story? What's my story? Well, I uh, my first job was at, at on Wall Street at J.P. Morgan, and that gave me a really good breadth of how the world works and uh, and, and sort of a, a broad lens uh, view. And then I went uh, off to business school, and then out of business school, I joined uh, BCG, um, and that was uh, a, you know a, a great decision, and uh, it's it's sort of launched from there. You know, so when when J.P. Morgan, you know, a lot of people think about it as a big investment bank, but in healthcare, it's like here's the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. I don't know if we'll be having it uh, this coming year, but maybe maybe like working at J.P. Morgan sort of sort of foreshadowed your your arrival at healthcare. What do you think? Well, you know, actually, some of the early work I did in healthcare was actually at J.P. Morgan. We um, at the time, uh, believe it or not, Clinton was in the White House, and they were trying to push through national healthcare reform, and I wound up representing um, J.P. Morgan on the business roundtable. Um, uh, on healthcare reform. So that actually, oddly enough, was my first introduction um, to healthcare. Very good. Well, that's before we met, which was, of course, we did meet back at Boston Consulting Group uh, in the mid-90s when you were always always a step ahead of me. And you were we were more generalists at that time. So I know you were doing some healthcare work, but you were doing financial services, consumer goods. How did that, how did that all come together to you focusing more on healthcare? Well, you know, one of the things that BCG really believed was the broader you went, um, the more rapidly you would develop. And so one of the great things I loved about BCG is it really got me all the way across the healthcare value chain. So I worked, yes, in a few providers, but also in pharma, uh, retail pharmacy, PBMs, uh, med device, insurance. And so you really could sort of see healthcare restructure across the value chain. Um, but we also did a lot of great work in the 90s in the dot-com era. And so... Um, as that came along, there wasn't a ton of going on in the dot-com space in healthcare. And so I, I honed back into financial services where I had come from, um, where uh, a lot of things were going on in terms of disintermediating the way uh, the $90 broker used to work for a trade and was now becoming $9 and is now practically zero. Um, and, in, and in consumer goods and services, um, you know, both of which those themes are now very relevant in, in healthcare today as, um, as doctors are thinking about uh, how to rethink uh, their model. And as frankly, uh, we need to become much more uh, consumer oriented. Um, but I, but I, one of the things I really loved about my time at BCG is it is it did give you that that breadth. No, it was actually it was fun back there. And of course, you were a partner at BCG, and then you decided to take off for some reason. And what was what was the time in between you did that and arriving at Boston Children's? 
So I did. I left BCG and went out on my own and, and launched my own firm. Um, and part of that actually was uh, to get, honestly, to get off the road. I had um, small children at the time, and the youngest had some substantial health issues, and it was pretty hard to solve remotely. Um, telehealth didn't exist, um, and you're standing in an airport in another city trying to navigate through things. Um, you know, after a couple of years of that, it just wasn't working. Um, and so it's I love. It's too bad we didn't have the pand. It's too bad we didn't have the pandemic then, because you could have had a good excuse to stay home, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, so I launched my own firm, and then you know, by the time I was um, uh, joining Children's, I had you know, I had traveled the world, been a BCG partner, worked on Wall Street, launched my own firm, and I thought, well, maybe I should do something a little bit more mission based. So I emailed my clients and told them I was going to go help Children's for two years, and that was seven years ago. So, yeah. Uh, there, there we are. So you didn't have the, the two-year itch. But before we get to uh, the seven years, um, so why Boston Children's? I mean, it's not, you, had, you had children, you're in Boston, and is that, was it as simple as that? You're in healthcare? I mean, why, why? It's not an obvious place for a, for a banker or consultant uh, to go. No, it's definitely not an obvious place. You know, as I was looking sort of um, across about value chain in healthcare, and at that point, I was sitting on, you know, I was sitting on two public company boards, you know, one of which was in the med device space. Um and I was sort of serving clients broadly. And, you know, one of the things I was looking for is where did I actually think innovation was going to be occurring? And there's a lot of stuff going on in healthcare, you know, whether it's genomics or immunology or microbiome, uh, really on the medical front of really deciding, discovering that what we used to think was one disease is actually many diseases. Um, but I also thought there was a lot of opportunity um, in terms of just the healthcare structure itself um, to really do redesign, uh, to fundamentally come up um, with, you know, uh, more efficient models that had greater access and, you know, greater convenience and lower cost. So we say sometimes things seem to change slowly um, in healthcare. But having said that, I think some of the things that you've been working on and some of the things that children's have actually undergone quite a lot of change in, in seven years. What what have you seen, you know, since your arrival at children's in terms of how things have changed, at least in the areas you're working on? Um, well, there's been a lot of change and, you you know, there's a lot that's changed in the market. And, um, you know, there are some, you know, there's some scientific things that will take years to play out. You know, we're doing some really exciting things in genomics, but it, it, will, it will be years, not weeks or months before um, that all comes to fruition. Um, uh, and in the digital space where you and I have worked together, that's a place where, frankly, product development cycles, are, you know, are much shorter. And so if you look at what just we've been able to accomplish this year in the wake of COVID, you know, we launched off a, uh, a global disease tracker that allowed us to predict the migration of the infectious disease back in December. And so we were working with the WHO and the CDC. You're working with the WHO on the what? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The WHO on the what? Um, I have a brilliant colleague, John Brownstein, who, who leads a lot of that work. He's a PhD epidemiologist, and um, it's, it's been really instrumental in helping us uh, track globally uh, uh, the pandemic. And then as it was reaching uh, the U.S. shores, we launched off a number of apps to help us track better uh, what were the symptoms people, people were having here in the country. And then we've launched off more specifically, um, you know, symptom checkers uh, working with uh, outside partners so that we can actually figure out, you know, what kind of care people need. And then, you know, we're currently working on a contact tracing within our hospital so that uh, we can actually be alerted uh, when we are you know, close to exposures. And so um, it's been a significant opportunity to use sort of online and social listening uh, and partner with tech partners uh, to sort of sort of tackle the disease. So that's been terrific. I mean, one of the amazing things about children's, and there's a lot of amazing things, is there's a, there are a ton of different initiatives going on in digital health, e-health, m-health, whatever you want to call it, you know, over time. And I know you've been focusing in that area, and you just mentioned some initiatives with COVID 
did COVID help to crystallize things or were, were things already moving along? I mean, obviously people hear about, you know, telehealth suddenly became popular, but were there other things that are sort of on the cusp of adoption where COVID either helped to push it ahead or has, has held it back? What, what, what has happened? Absolutely. And so, David, you've been instrumental in helping us, you know, five years ago, build out our digital health strategy. And so much of what um, you and I worked on five years ago is now coming to fruition now. And um, I'm no longer the person entering rooms sort of saying, hey, the future is coming, we need to change. Um, everyone kind of gets it. And so uh, you mentioned telehealth. In the month of March, we went from 1% of our outpatient visits being virtual to 85%. Yeah. Um, and so in four weeks, um, anyone who was a skeptic became a user. Now, everybody, most most people I've heard have gone kind of back down, you know, to the baseline. I've been surprised. What are, what are you seeing there? Well, you know, honestly, we hit that 85% um, level and we have we have maintained, um, um, well, while our, li- our in-person visits have come back up, the total volume of the virtual visits has maintained. So we're still about 50% of last year's volume um, we're doing virtually and about 50% of current volume we're doing virtually. And so the numbers have, have remained high. And I think that's partly because, um, you know, people are very committed to providing care. Um, and they're also very committed to doing it safely. And it's something that um, the consumers have rapidly adopted. So seven years, you say you've been there just about, and uh, but who's counting, right? Um, what would you say are some of the, you know, the key initiatives and accomplishments that, you, that you've had there? It's probably worth just kind of, I don't know if anybody ever asked you to kind of catalog those, but I know you've been working on a, on a whole bunch of things. Are there, are there some that you would consider kind of the key ones? Well, you know, from a strategy, I wear a couple hats at Children's. One, you know, is is the digital hat, which really came out of I come in a strategy role, and um, they asked me to build a digital health strategy, and we did. But on the strategy side, you know, some of the work we're doing in genomics, I think, fundamentally, will be game changing in the future. You know, our ability to actually, you know, sequence a patient, identify uh, the genetic mutations, match those to a disease, and then match those to a treatment. We are just at the very early stages of. Um, there are over seven thousand rare diseases. Half of them uh, are present in children. Um, typically, it takes five to seven years of a diagnostic odyssey to actually get an accurate diagnosis. So we're still at the very early stages of that. And I think that that has the potential to be transformative in the future. So that's one I'd pick out. Um, and then I think the, you know, what we've seen in virtual visits, again, there was a lot of skeptics. But I think, uh, you know, the moment we basically got that up and running, it quickly came back that, hey, we need to digitize across the whole patient journey, which, again, was very consistent with the strategy that we had outlined. Uh, but there's no reason why all of the paperwork you have in healthcare, um, you know, shouldn't really be running uh, mobile in the same way that it works in, you know, in airlines or travel um, or, or other industries. Um, and people always sort of say, hey, healthcare is much more complicated and much more regulated. It really cannot be compared to, you know, Amazon. But, you know, financial services is actually very complicated and heavily regulated and has a lot of um, data that requires confidentiality and security. And, and they have largely made huge strides in, you know, making data ubiquitously available across the financial services network globally in a confidential manner. Um, and so it is possible. So it's great to hear uh, being able to do things because I think you do need that timeline to really make things happen. Um, you know, it, it's if you sort of do a two or three years it's not enough. So I think you're getting to the point actually where there, where there's some things you can really look back on. You know, Children's is a, is a terrific place, as I, as I know from having been there, taking my kids there. Um, it's also a big 
you know, bureaucratic place. It's part of the Harvard system. It's run by physicians. And, and for us business people, that doesn't always make it the easiest place to work in. You know, it's, it's worth it. And yet, on the other hand, there's, there's some challenges as well. Any frustrations or regrets that you've had up, up, to, up to this point that you, can, that you can share? Well, you know, I remember working at BCG and, you know, there was kind of two aspects of our job. One was, you know, could you find the right answer, right? And then the other uh, was, it doesn't really matter if you find the right answer if you can't actually uh, get people to embrace it and make the change happen. And so you really need to have both the strategy as well as the change management. And there's no such thing as having, you know, too much change management skills, right? Right. Any large transformation you want to make, whether you're starting from being a startup and you're trying to transform the world by coming up with something that's a really disruptive and innovative uh, product or service, or whether you're sitting in a large organization and you're trying to drive transformational change for the next leadership, either way, you've got to figure out how do you get disparate parties, many of which you do not have control of, do not report to you, and um, to, to actually align so that you can allow things to get to market. So. Um, you know, early on in my BCG career, I got to work on the uh, the drug and HIV that stopped people from dying in the streets. And that was an incredibly difficult product to get to market. And that's true of a lot of innovations. They are difficult to get to market. And so whether you are the, you know, the, the, the disruptor or you're the one being disrupted who needs to change, but the skills you need in order to figure out how do I align across the system to get these changes to happen are uh, uh, are a great set of skills to have. Well, well said. No, I would, I would agree. I, I've never seen, let me know if you see somebody with too much uh, change management capability. Yeah, exactly. uh, I haven't seen them yet, but that's, that is a good one. And something that you don't necessarily realize early on at BCG, uh, for, but we learned it over time. You know, I, Gina, I was looking at uh, some of the things you've done recently in some of the web pages, and there's this innovation and digital health accelerator page. And they ask everybody, I guess, what their favorite innovation is. And, and you said uh, time machine. And uh, so if you if that's your favorite one, I was wondering if I, if I could borrow it when you're done with it. You absolutely can. And this actually comes actually from when we, you and I, David, used to work together, which is we had to be with clients all over the world. And I just wanted something that could zap me very quickly in between clients without having to get on, you know, these long flights. Um, I got to fly on the Concorde, but frankly, that only goes between two, you know, a couple locations at the time that did not get us out around the globe. And then I wanted to be home in, in time, you know, for, for, for bedtime. And so I wanted this, you know, trans teletransporter. Um, I also wanted badly the ability to go back and forth in time. And so um, we don't have either of those yet. Um, but what I will say about digital is it, it allows you to begin to get some of the benefits. And so one of the things I love about digital is it can make you available uh, in multiple places around the world instantaneously via video. Um, and it can actually help you transport across time. And so if you look at some of the things like what we know about um, DNA right now allows us to go back and solve crimes that were previously committed that we couldn't solve at the time. And in healthcare, we've, we've discovered the same thing in things like genomics you know, we are sequencing children today and storing that information so that in the future, when we figure out um, it, and when drugs become available, we'll actually be able to go back and sort of say, hey, we, we identified people before who had this. Now let's go back. Um, let's go back in time, find them and, and, and uh, get them the therapies that they need. And so there is time, opportunities to sort of travel back in time. And there's opportunities to travel forward in time. And so some of the work you and I did together around um the concept of clinical decision support tools, which are kids and for that matter, patients are cared for all over the world. And yet we don't have very even distribution of our expertise. But to the extent you can take that expertise and download it into software, you can make it ubiquitously available. 
And that allows people, you know, the clinicians I work with today to leave a legacy behind them. And so they may not be here in the future, but they can leave the legacy of their knowledge embedded in software, um, you know, for future generations. You know, I remember back at BCG, actually, one of our colleagues, uh, Eric Brandt, uh, I think it was Eric. So if I'm misquoting, then he'll forgive me, I hope. Um, but when you do these case studies, you know, where you're doing an interview and you ask someone to solve a case and and he had one where he said, uh, okay, there's a time machine that's been invented. Yeah. Price it. Like what should the, what should the price be for it? I think it was one that he wanted to use, but I think they didn't let him use it because it was a little too outrageous uh, to have it. But it sounds like the price might be worth, might be higher now, given all the uses uh, for the time machine than uh, than they oh, were in the past. <laughs> I think it would be hugely valuable, right? If we had a time machine and could go back to the beginning of COVID, would we have managed it differently? Yeah, we'll leave that one for the uh, for the historians. Uh, so you mentioned already that you had some uh, played some roles on uh, public company uh, boards. And there have been multiple boards that you've been on. And wh- what have you done in terms of boards? Uh, and what's what's the common thread uh, there? So when I left BCG, and as you know, at BCG, we were precluded from serving on, on uh, company boards. I, I joined um, uh, the board uh, of a bank. And then following that, I joined the board of a med tech company. And then uh, I now sit on the board of a, of a biotech company. Um, and I think the common thread is, you know, when people... And it's the same thing in consulting, frankly. No one knows a company better than the management team of that company. They deeply understand their business. And where you really add value as an outsider, whether it's a consultant or a board member, is by having pers- perspectives that are coming from the outside, you know, tangent- tangential to it. Because you're never going to deeply understand their business as much as they are. And so in each of these cases, there were ones where I had enough context to understand their business, but also enough context to bring things from the outside. And each of them faced sort of, in some ways, what we're all facing right now is we're facing a market that's a, you know, a whole lot of lemons, and we got to figure out how to make lemonade out of it. And you know, there are ones for whom that's a defensive move, and there's ones for whom that's a tremendous opportunity. Um, but at the bank, uh, you, you know, we we live, you know, I was on the board during the 08 um, financial crisis, and that was a huge crisis in banking, and it was also a huge opportunity for them. Um, and so you know, for them, that was their, you know, their moment of opportunity. Um, at, um, at next stage, they were really positioned as an innovator in what was a highly consolidated sector. And so for them, how, you know, working their way to how do you actually get an innovation to market um, in a really consolidated sector, you know, ultimately by actually partnering um, with some of the bigger players. And then now in the biotech, they also have, you know, I am a little bit of a maven for transformational things. Yeah, I say maven is a better word than glutton for punishment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they also have an opportunity to be really transformational. They're working in the microbiome space, which is a space, you know, that clinically really has a lot of promise. But, you know, the, 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 this year has been a challenging year for them, too, which is it, it provides both opportunities in the wake of COVID as well as well as significant challenges. So I think that is the thread. Um, you know, the boards that I have said no to are ones that are really viable businesses. But you look at it and you sort of say, um, it looks to me like you got a straight shot, you know. Yeah. And and um, and it also maybe looks like when you're done with that roll up, you, you, you know, it's not necessarily going to be transformational either. So got it. So you so you like the tough ones where you can actually add some value and then and, and there's something actually satisfying and, and useful uh, once they're once they've made their goals. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, I think on the, the, the microbiome one reminds me a little bit what you were saying on the on the genomics side. You come in, there was th- something you thought was one disease and it means all these other ones. And then the microbiome is something probably we were barely talking about, you know, seven years ago when you right. when you came in. And now it's uh, it's really kind of the next frontier 
which is which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, I found um, on the boards I've been on, which are private company boards, that it also kind of on the one hand you're bringing this outside perspective that's pretty valuable, and then on the other hand you're also seeing things and learning, you know, from what they're doing that you can actually bring back to your day job um, as well. And I found that I found that to be useful. Sometimes actually more breadth, like looking at. Uh, in my case, looking at like multiple customers in the pharmaceutical industry. And then when I go and work with one uh, on the development side, you'll have a, just a general sense of what's going on. So I, I found it useful in ways that I didn't expect. Yeah. And I, I find that there's always analogies that you don't, that aren't necessarily, you know, some of the things that I learned in pharmaceuticals was really helpful on the med device board and it wasn't necessarily obvious up front. And there were some things that we learned in, in, you know, in retail as we, as we launched clinics that were actually really helpful, um, uh, on that front as well. So sometimes things come from different courts than you might expect. Yeah, good. So Gina, I know you're super busy with you know every uh, stage of life, Ben. You don't you're not flying around too much anymore, so not that much downtime for reading. But uh, have you managed to read any books through the pandemic? Anything that you're reading that you either recommend or recommend people stay away from? Well, I have to admit, we I have we have been pretty flat out with 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 COVID response certainly, um, and with getting everything scaled digitally. But I did, um, I have been reading um, Kendi's book on how to be an anti racist. Um, and this is a a time where if we if we don't like the current uh, scenario of what we're in right now, then you know we're we're sort of obligated to think about a future being different, and and uh, that means if we're going to make the future different, uh, really understanding you know how to do that. And so uh, I think we have tremendous opportunities. And anyone, frankly, who's offering, who's launching, you know, new business models or new products or new services, it's an opportunity to do things differently than we have in the past. Now that sa- that sounds good. I've been trying to do some reading when I, when the pandemic first started. I, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have all this time. You know, I bought a book on how to play bridge and stuff like that, which I don't know where the book is, but I, I could maybe could return it because it's new uh, in the sense of not I mean, crack the binding on it. But I, I was reading a couple books uh, lately. One, they're both actually translations, one from Japanese and one from Spanish. And one is uh, called, I think, Miracles of the Namiya General Store, which is like a very fantasy kind of a book. And it's very, it's, you know, you have to suspend disbelief, but it's, it's kind of very uplifting and very positive. And then this other one is called The House Guest which is like, it's one, uh, it's just like one depressing story after the other, <laughs> some terrible creature that, that emerges, uh, like in the story. And it's like, oh, I'm reading this. And it's first, you know, the first one, it's like, yeah, it's kind of spellbinding and it's very tense. And by the, by the latest story, I'm like, all right, this woman seems happy. Now where's the monster, you know, and <laughs> sure enough, it's there on, on the next page. So I, I don't recommend that one. Maybe that one's good for after the pandemic, but the uh, miracles of the Nemea general store, I'll recommend for for anybody right now. Well, that sounds like a great recommendation. And for the most part on house guests, we all wish we could actually have them at this point. Yeah. So speaking of which, how are you looking forward to the holidays? I am looking forward to the holidays. They won't be the same holidays that they've been other years, um, but it is always an opportunity to uh, make lemonade out of lemons. Excellent. Well, Jean, I don't know if lemons are in season, but I guess they, they will be uh, this year one way or the other. I want to thank you very much for spending time with me on the Health Biz Podcast today. It's been great to uh, catch up with you and to hear both but what you've been doing at Children's on the boards and then the earlier sweep of your career that I wasn't aware of. Well, great, David. It is a pleasure uh, to connect with you. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare, business, and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, 
check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.